0: Chapter three of Irene Idesley This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irene Idisley by Amanda McKittrick Ross. Chapter Three. Arouse the seeming deadly creature to that standard of joy and gladness which should mark his noble path. Endow him with the dew drops of affection. Cast from him the pangs of the dull past, and stamp them for ever beneath the waves of troubled waters. Brighten his life as thou wouldst that of a faded flower, and when the hottest ray of that heavenly orb shall shoot its cheerful charge against the window-panes of Dunfern Mansion, the worthy owner can receive it with true and profound thankfulness. Three weeks had scarcely passed ere Sir John was made the recipient of another invitation to Dilworth Castle this second effusion of cordiality required neither anxious thought nor prolonged decision how to act knowing as he did that it would again serve to bring his present thoughts into practice by affording him another opportunity of sharing in the loving looks of one for whom he feared there dwelt a strong inclination on his part to advance his affection irene stood looking out on the lake beyond the richly draped window ruminating on the days of her childhood which lent a look of dullness to the beautiful face that beamed with delight as sir john dunfern entered the evening was very pleasantly and quietly spent irene commanding the greater part of his time and attention on account of lady dilworth being slightly ailing whose health generally speaking, at this period was not so robust as formerly, and consequently failed to warrant too many callers. As the clock struck eleven, Sir John began to think of returning home, feeling quite happy, fancying his great affection was returned in full by Irene. Being very domesticated, and having the stiff ideas of a bachelor of long-standing so firmly imprinted in his nature he felt very diffident in asking the object of his visit when next they should meet. But Lady Dilworth entering before taking his departure saved him putting the shy question by placing herself in his position and demanding the required reply. Sir John promised without further ceremony to visit them more frequently in future, and left their midst with hasty step, lingering in the hall to cast another look at the lovely form which stood not far distant. Leisurely leaning back in his carriage, and burying himself in his great and costly cloak demanded by the night's icy aspect, he rolled along towards his home, drowned in sweet thought of the beautiful girl whom he only recently knew, but whose regard for her raged with such rambling anxiety, as to convince him of the propriety of making her aware how he meant to play the part of lover. Until now he was inclined to be prejudiced against the snares and allurements of women, but he strongly resolved to try gradually and abandon every unkind thought harboured in his mind against them, fearing lest all his conjured imaginations were both unjust and selfish, and determined to drown them for ever in the clashing gulf of fate, felt a prouder and happier mortal than before. But time would solve the problem and heal the wound which penetrated so deeply his bosom. Yea, a short time, he hoped, would bring his creeping fever of endearment under the blinding stay of appointed authority, and heal its weakening effects with the sacred salve of truth. "'Not until the horses dashed up the winding avenue with increased alacrity was he shaken from his meditating attitude to be ushered once more into his home of boundless wealth.' The lonely stare of grave bewilderment took the place of happiness that formerly seemed built in abundance for him within its walls, as he entered the palatial and gorgeously equipped abode he principally inhabited, feeling the tinge of the dull past filling him with entire despair, whilst meditating on the happy future which presented itself to him. How in a trivial period this lonely spot, he thought, should prove the beacon of never-dying bliss! when once furnished with the most precious treasure on earth, a virtuous woman. Ah, the very thought of his embosomed and anticipated alliance made him nervously happy, and believing a bright and noble future lay in store for the lonely owner of Dunfern Estate, he resolved to indulge nature in a few hours of calm repose. The days moved along more quickly, Sir John believed, than formerly, and possibly he may have imagined this was so, as he felt no longer fettered with fear of fighting with his inward friend. Obstinacy, whose hand of drowsy bachelorism seemed forever closed to his changing charity. He had at last thrown aside the garb of female dislike, and patronized that of a warm-hearted lover. Irene did not lead Lady Dilworth to believe that she really cared for Sir John, and when his name cropped up occasionally she allowed herself always to keep the coast of conversation clear that would likely convict her views most and managed cleverly thereby to deceive the friend who came not a day too soon to her rescue perhaps had lady dilworth proved less concerned about the orphan charge she freed from a life of toil apparently and instructed her more on the branches of integrity than the lovely youthful irene could have decided more honourably in all cases of questioning and would have done justice not alone to herself but to all concerned but like many others similarly surrounded with lovers battling in the war of extremes and encompassed on all sides with apparent luxuries She was confident she would some day come off victorious by acting the clever Corinthian. End of chapter three read by Kara Schallenberg, www.k.ray.org, on February second, two thousand twelve, in San Diego, California.